I'm now going to speak to Richard Oldfield of Oldfield Partners, who's been managing funds for St James's Place since August 2008. A warm welcome to you, and thanks for taking the time to be with us. Thanks very much. Very nice to be here. Richard, the St James's Place High Octane Fund has performed extremely well since you became sole manager. Perhaps you could remind investors of the style that you adopt in terms of approaching investment markets and selecting companies for the portfolio. Sure. We, we run very concentrated portfolios, so typically around 20 stocks, value-focused, we don't have a top-down process. We don't allocate to countries and sectors and, and then uh, have a sort of quota for which we find stocks. We invest in businesses which we think are, are basically sound and at low valuations, and value is absolutely the key for us. And value in an old-fashioned way, we care about earnings, we care about cash flow, we care about free cash flow, we care about a discount to assets when relevant. And I would say that our happiest hunting ground, really, is when you have a what appears to be quite a straightforward discount to asset values. And I think it's a symptom of the level of valuations in the market at the moment that we've got seven or eight stocks in the portfolio which are capable of being valued on that very straightforward, some of the parts basis, and are at very large discounts. So if we think about that in a geographic perspective, I think I'm right in saying that US markets have performed uh, as well as they have for, for, for a decade. I wondered what, what your level of exposure to US companies is at the current time and, and what it would take for you to increase that exposure. Well, it's low. You know, it's about 20%. And I mean, you gave quite a kind introduction, but our performance this year has been pretty crummy. And it's been crummy in part because of that sort of overarching point that the exposure to the US is low and in part because of some specifics, and there always are specifics, and I'm sure you're going to ask about one or two of them in, in, a, in a moment. As far as the US is concerned, I was looking in the MSCI Blue Book, which is my sort of monthly Bible, just the other day, and 24 out of the top 30 over the last year are US companies. Uh, three are Canadian companies, and so that just leaves three for the rest of the world. And so that shows the sort of degree of outperformance of America over the last year. Uh, and if you haven't got a lot of it, you've been at a major disadvantage, which if, you're, if you've been very good or very lucky, <laughs> you've been able to compensate for. We haven't been very good or very lucky over the last year. So the US has, has outperformed hugely. What would it take? In a way, I can't really answer that question because what it takes for exposure to any country to go up is simply our finding being attracted to companies which happen to belong to that country. We have, for example, 15% of the portfolio in Italy. That's not because we ever said Italy is the place we want to be. It's because we've, we have found companies in Italy which we think are extremely undervalued. And, of course, they're extremely undervalued in part or, or, or mainly because they've been so depressed by all the euro problems, which, in fact, any company which is listed on the Milan Stock Exchange... In America, I would say the reverse is true. America has been just a brighter place to be. And so you've got quite a lot of very exp pretty expensive stocks. And um, the likelihood of finding attractively valued stocks is lower. That doesn't mean we won't find any. Nokia has clearly been a disappointing investment. I, yeah. I wondered if you could help um, our listeners understand what the attractions that you still see in the share. Sure. Our downside case for Nokia has always been that the, the assets of Nokia, if you exclude the phone business altogether, are worth substantially more than the current share price. 
First of all, you've got cash of four billion euros. Now, if losses are made in the phone business, then that cash will reduce. But at the moment, it's reducing at a reasonably moderate pace. You have the stake in NSN, which is the network company in joint venture with Siemens, which is worth maybe one to two billion euros. You have、um, Navtech. Uh, which they bought for 5.4 billion euros and is not worth as, nearly as much as that, but it's maybe worth a couple of billion. And then you have their intellectual property, and that's really where the interest is. We've had lots of transactions of patent portfolios, which give you some sort of guide to the value of Nokia's patent portfolio. I'll give you just a couple of examples. We had Motorola Mo- Mobility. Uh, where they sold their intellectual property for twelve and a half billion dollars, we had Nortel, where the liquidator sold their assets, which were largely intellectual property,、uh, for a price which was originally tagged at nine hundred million, and eventually the price was four point five billion. And these and other deals give us a sort of cross-reference to the value of Nokia's. Portfolio. It's not easy because the the disclosure is not particularly good, and therefore the range of values that we come out with is very wide. In our first paper on this subject, which was probably getting on for a year ago or earlier this year, we had a value of、um, between ten billion and twenty billion. We and we've come back to that because we naturally we sort of question all the time whether we've got it wrong,、um, since the market cap of Nokia is now only seven billion euros. And in our most recent paper, we have a value of seven and a half billion to twenty-five billion, so a wider range. But even if you use the the lowest figure, you've got therefore a sum total of assets which are、uh, si- worth significantly more than the current market capitalization.、Um, But a lot of Nokia's focus has been about the launch of new products. Okay, now, well been... then we go to phones because、yes. then and and the phone business is in major trouble at the moment. They launched their their new smartphone in the states the other day. The launch was a fiasco. There was something very interesting about that, though. The website which was broadcasting this launch crashed almost immediately. They started. The share price fell by ten percent as soon as that happened. What I found interesting about that was what it suggests is that you've now got emotion taking over. It's not the message. It's not the content of the. Missing webcast, so to speak, which caused the share price to drop. It's the mere fact that the website crashed, and when you get those kind of sentiment or emotional reactions, it's usually a sign that things have gone too far, and it, and it's a sign that if there is a glimmer of good news, and that may be a big if, but if there is a glimmer of good news, you could get a really disproportionate rise in the share price. But have you been buying more shares? We haven't bought any more because we've reached our limit. We have a sort of soft rule that、uh, we will have three bites at the cherry. Oh, incidentally, overwhelmingly in our history, when we have come back for a second and third bite of something which initially, in the ben- with the benefit of hindsight, we bought too expensively, overwhelmingly it's been beneficial. But not always. There are value traps where you put money in and it gets cheaper and cheaper. You put more money in. Gets cheaper and cheaper and cheaper, and of course it can reach the ultimate cheapness. And so, to protect ourselves from the value trap, where you become addicted to these things, and you can find yourself throwing good money after bad, we say three bites is enough. And we've had our three bites, so we haven't bought any more. But we do remain optimistic. We bought at a not in the glory days of Nokia at all. We bought at a price of about four. 
and the price is now about two and a half. So that's very painful. And, and obviously the price at which we bought makes it a blunder. But I don't think it will don't touch wood. I don't think it will turn out to be a blunder in the long term because I think it's a good each way bet. Either the phone business is successful. At the moment, one probably wouldn't put the chances of that higher than 40 to 45%. If the phone business is successful, we don't have to worry about the value of the intellectual property. The upside is enormous. Or the phone business, the smartphone business, is not successful, in which case they will monetize the intellectual property. And, and then we have our downside case with not so much upside, but still a premium to the current market cap. Richard, that's been a fascinating insight in some of the companies in, in your portfolio. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for asking me. Any views and opinions expressed are solely those of the individuals and are subject to change. Where individual securities are mentioned, they do not necessarily represent a specific portfolio holding and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase or sell. Please be aware that past performance is not indicative of future performance. The value of an investment may fall as well as rise and you may get back less than you invested. Returns on equities cannot be guaranteed. Equities do not provide the security of capital characteristic of a deposit with a bank or building society.